You are listening to I Doubt It with me, your host, Jesse Dolliman, a podcast dedicated to free-thinking discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. This is episode 24 of I Doubt It. I and your venerated host <laughs> and humble Jesse Dollamore. Across from me is my beautiful co-host who can sing like a bird, mm. Brittany Page. <laughs> Everyone remember that laugh that he just did because <laughs> I will be talking about that later in the episode when it applies to one of our topics. What do you? I don't know what you're talking about right now and I'm a little freaked out. Okay, well you will know. <laughs> All right, Creeper. That's all I'm going to say. Everyone remember. Everyone remember. All right. Hi, everyone. That's enough. Like I said, co-host Brittany Page. (laughs) Co-host for now, (laughs) Brittany Page. I'm on the verge of getting fired again. 657-464-7609 is our voicemail line if you'd like to sound off. Um, Please review us on iTunes. Profanity-free review us on iTunes and Stitcher. Facebook, you can contact us, and of course, as always, the Twitter. Oh, oh, and I didn't write it down, so I didn't talk about it, but dollamore.com, which is where you can make a wonderful Amazon purchase. Yes. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. So, despite my almost road rage today when we were in Ikea, Mm -hmm. which actually wasn't road rage because we were simply walking. Well, it's very traffic-like. Listen... Here's a little advice. Here's a little pro tip for you. little life advice from the master. Don't go to Ikea on the weekend. <laughs> Seriously, don't. It is a goddamn nightmare. It was terrible. Many people needed to be dealt with. I was experiencing that. profound anxiety. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it's, it's a terrible thing. It, it, there needs to be like one of those little dock in a box little clinics mm-hmm. when you walk in so you can get your Xanax prescription prior to to walking through the the rat maze the exactly the, the maze that they have in there. it was hectic unbelievable and th- Ikea is a lot like <laughs> Ikea is a lot like Costco in the way that you don't go in there for one thing yeah because you're insane if you do because it's it's not going to work out for you. For sure. Well, so. and you're wasting all that time and energy where you're trying to calm yourself down the whole time from people bumping into you and invading your space. Well, I find it odd that people decide to have the stop and chat right in the middle of a thoroughfare. Yeah. Like, this is the main way to get through. We're going to stop. And catch up on old news. Well, yeah, like to the entrance of a store. We, I always see people stopped at an entrance of a store talking. And why doesn't either party think, hey, we are in people's way. Let's get the hell out of the way. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Both of them are just standing there like, oh, yeah, let's catch up. This is the perfect place to do it. Hi, it, how have you been? It's general, well, inconsideration, but it's also... Uh, general selfishness that they're only they're they exist within the little microcosm of their own fucking world 
and that's all that matters. Yeah. No one else's inconvenience matters at all. That is very common in California. Very common. Not to shat upon California, but it sometimes is so, so easy. Yes. It's like people who don't use their fucking turn signal. Mm-hmm. That's California. C- cars are equipped with a turn signal for a very good reason. Beyond safety. Nah. It, My mom always said that you don't want people know. to know where you're going. Yeah, that's right. You don't have to use your signal because they don't need to know where you're going. Yeah. You don't need a clue, man. What do they need to know? <laughs> that's that's my mom's logic, everybody. She was, she, and she was... Is from California. She's from California, mm-hmm. right. Good for her. So on... Uh, let's move on before I really get into a rage. Yeah. <laughs> so on, on Friday night, Brittany and I attended a screening for a documentary called My Week in Atheism that was, uh, I guess, written and directed, put together, made by a guy named John Christie who is a Christian Mm -hmm. and it stars, if you want to use that word stars, it features uh, uh, a guy named David Smalley, who is the host of a podcast slash radio show. I know you can get it as a podcast. It sounds like they do it live often. So Mm -hmm. I think it is, could be considered a radio show too. Uh, David Smalley is his name. And the name of his show is Dogma Debate. Dogma Debate. Yeah. So uh, real interesting being that it was made by a Christian, I think that it was, uh, well, I think it was interesting either way, despite the, the fact that I think it was about 15 minutes too long yeah, or the my, point, my butt sitting in that uncomfortable chair. Thought the point of the documentary is that John Christie and David Smalley, John Christie being the Christian, David Smalley being the atheist, they're very close friends. And the only thing between them is this huge... Uh, the chasm discrepancy of, 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 uh, yeah. within their worldview. So he's a Christian. He's an atheist. They have completely different worldviews, yet they're very close friends. Yeah. And John Christie wanted to make a documentary kind of for Christians to see the atheist perspective. Well, because oftentimes, even when I was a Christian, l- looking back, I remember it's, a, it's an odd thing that's very common within Christian communities that they think that atheism and Satanism yeah, are synonymous. For sure. And that's, it's an odd, very peculiar, expe- now especially it's peculiar, but back then it, it made total sense. Yeah, and so I think that was, that reasoning kind of is why he wanted to make the documentary to show what atheism is to Christians, and he did a very fair job. I, I, I Not was, like, and oh, he's just A-OK. I mean, like, he was fair to atheists. Very, very fair. Um and and to the point of how fair the movie was, Brittany just said it was fair. Um, you know, we, it's interesting before or after the movie, before the Q and A session that they had, Brittany and I had the chance to talk to a gentleman named Ryan Bell, who many of you may know. At the beginning of the year, um, he made the news because he was he's a former Seventh Day Adventist pastor, and he was going to try on atheism for a year. He actually writes for Pat Patheos. In a, in a blog called A Year Without God. And uh, he's got a doctorate, I believe, in philosophy. Uh, super smart guy. Very nice. I mean, the kind of guy you'd want to hang out with. I mean, a normal dude. But also just super smart, which is nice. Anyway, we talked to him about it. And I think the phrasing that I used relative to the film was, it was more than fair. That John Christie had done a more than fair job depicting atheists because this is a christian viewpoint it's a christian movie that's going to be shown to christians and i think it did a really great job 
of showing that Christians aren't terrible, evil, huh? Atheists aren't. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brittany's mouthing the words atheist, atheist. That the atheists aren't terrible, evil, horrible people. They we can be moral, and. You know, it's it's nice because you and I have friends, Brittany, who are devout Christians, mm-hmm. and we get along great, yeah, swimmingly. Yeah, we go to concerts together. We we have dinner all the time. My best friend is a Mormon. Yeah, so, so it, just because there is that divide relative to ideological beliefs doesn't mean that you cannot be friends. Yeah, and I thought that was a cool part of the documentary you know they are close friends and they totally don't agree they show them disagreeing throughout the entire film fervently sometimes yeah and that's fine but they still love each other they're still friends and i think that that is something we need to implement more we need to try to come together more and be able to have civilized conversations open conversations about these important things it was interesting to hear him talk too about how religion and politics they've become these taboo subjects that you can't talk about it at work yeah. at school they're things you shouldn't be talking about but why no we should be talking about them they're really important they're two of the most important things to talk about and what we should get rid of is our inability to take in new information and discuss new information without feeling attacked and be more open to having open discussions i think if more people adopted the philosophy that ideas don't deserve respect that people deserve respect it would go a long way toward um clearing up the the issue with dialogue yeah the the consternation yeah um i've all i've always said in fact it's it's like almost a rule in many bars i've been in that no politics, no religion in the bar. And mainly because once you mix alcohol, then it's oh, yeah. instant asshole, instant expert, and instant asshole just out alcohol. And they don't want that kind of a conflict. But the thing is, is if you can have a civil discourse with someone with whom you disagree, things can actually be accomplished. And at the, if, if at the very least what gets accomplished is your understanding of how someone believes, it's a big deal. Yeah. So it was a good time. If you have a t- chance to check it out, uh, we're going to put a link to My Week in Atheism, uh, the, their Vimeo link. I think it's five bucks to watch the thing, maybe download or whatever. I don't know how it works. but To rent it. It is definitely worth the watch. Like I said, it's a little long for my taste, about 40, about 15 minutes too long. It's about an hour and 50 minutes or so, and I think it, it should be right at about an hour and a half. But if you're an atheist and if you're a Christian... It's good for both camps. You really should check it out. They did a real fair job of depicting both sides. And uh, definitely worth your time. For sure. The other thing that I wanted to talk about, and I don't, this doesn't really relate to anything other than the fact that um, it's Memorial Day. Um, I did something that as soon as I did it, I almost was flustered and couldn't even get the words out that I was going to say because I was so frustrated with myself from that you had started on the path to saying it just fucking dumb sometimes I'm so dumb I think we've all done things where we say something and then we think back on what we said we're just like uh what is wrong with us that is true and I'm going to get to the story here in a second but what is so stupid about it is I hesitated twice 
twice I caught myself, logically understood, this isn't something you need to say, and I fucking pushed ahead like a goddamn bulldozer pushing over a a memorial yeah. in a park. <laughs> That's where you messed up, I think. Your your mind was trying to tell you something and you just you wouldn't listen. Right. So for sure. Well, that happens all the time. I'm an idiot. So what happened was after during the Q&A, uh, David Smalley had he, he had said something in terms of it being Memorial Day and to thank he thanked one of his assistants or a guy who's helping him out on the tour, the Southern California tour. Saying thank you for your service because it's Memorial Day. Well, if you don't know, that's not what Memorial Day is. Memorial Day is for those who have been killed in combat and died while serving their country. Veterans Day is for me and Caesar is the guy's name. Anyway, uh, I'm just it's so embarrassing. So, <laughs> well, now you're recorrecting them again. No, no, I want to, No, I want to say. I want to state it now. So when I go to explain the story, they'll know what I'm talking about. So after the Q&A, and I was, we were chatting it up with a few people, I had shorts on, and I've got a, a giant eagle globe and anchor tattooed on my right calf, because as you all know... I, He's a Marine, everybody. I, I was in the Marine Corps. <laughs> so afterward, um, he, this gentleman, Caesar, had seen it on my calf and said, hey, um, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. And I said, oh, thank you. And then... Then another gentleman came over and, oh, you were in the military. Hey, thank you very much. And I don't know why, but I did what I did. I, I stopped. I went to say, I started to transition to my statement. And I said, and then I stopped and I said, ah, you know what? Ah, never mind. No, no big deal. No one pressed me like, oh, no, what? What were you going to say? I, I stopped myself and then pushed ahead. The and, whole time I'm standing here like, uh, uh. I know. Don't, don't, no, no, quit, like, trying to smile because we're in a social situation, but also trying to, like, give you a hint, like, hey, no, uh, no, not the time. Yeah, pretty terrible. So, to Caesar, if you're listening, buddy, and for the other gentleman that, uh, for whom I've uh, misplaced your name, the guy from the Riverside Atheist and Freethinkers group, sorry, man, I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm an idiot. You know, what are you going to do? Sometimes I'm a jackass. A lot of times. Just let people thank you <laughs> for being a hero. Yeah, I'm a hero. That's right. So moving on to our first topic, which we posted online, which is interesting. that We're starting to get a little bit of feedback on the Facebook page to talk about what people's opinions are relative to some of the subjects. Um, we're asking a question that was asked by The Atlantic in an article um, if a student says homosexuality is a sin in school, is that bullying? Yeah, so it's kind of a question of what rights should students have to talk about God in homework, assemblies, club meetings, and graduation speeches. This is a question at stake in a new law in Tennessee and other states across the country. Governor Bill Haslam signed the Religious Viewpoints Anti-Discrimination Act, which affirms that religious students should have the same free speech rights as secular ones. That seems to be fair, right? Since the uh, religious expression has always been protected by the First Amendment. Yeah, I think that, I think it's fair. It's I don't think it's as easy as, as that, though. I mean, it, because it also includes speeches at... If you're if you're ever captive in an audience, I don't believe that. Well, the question isn't do they have the, the the right to say it though. That's not the question. I think everybody would agree 
in most cases, they have the right to say it. Well, but, this question is regarding this law. What right should students have to talk about God and homework, assemblies, club meetings, and speeches? So what right do the students have to talk about those things? Yeah. They should be able to talk about those things. Absolutely. So why did these two Republicans feel the need to write this bill, the Religious Viewpoints Anti-Discrimination Act? They say Christian conservative groups have for many years been frustrated by what they see as a hostile environment for religion in schools. They are convinced, with some justification apparently, that there's a lot more that public schools can be doing to protect religious expression. In Tennessee, legislators pointed to one case in particular as the motivation for creating this bill. In October, a teacher told a Memphis fifth grader that she couldn't write about God in an essay about her idol. In defiance, the 10-year-old wrote two essays, both about the Almighty, although only one was about Michael Jackson, and her mom sought legal help. The elementary schooler was later allowed to turn in her God essay and earned a score of 100%. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And really, when it comes down to it, you know, as I'm sitting here kind of mulling over it, there's such a knee-jerk reaction from, I guess, my side of things, the atheist side of things, to to not allow religious speech or not allow religious things in, in school. And it's so quick that you don't think about, as long as it's not government-sponsored and government-supported speech, then it's okay. I don't have a problem if a student wants, to, if they're the valedictorian and they're given the floor, they're given five minutes. Hey, you're going to give a speech for five minutes because you're the valid. You've earned that spot. You're going to give a speech. If they want to pray, then pray. Let them pray. It's not the principal getting up there and as an official with the school getting to pray. Yeah, all you have to do is not pray with them. Yeah, you're sitting there listening to this knucklehead talk to an imaginary being. Yeah. Who cares? It's not hurting anyone. Now, if the school is sponsoring one religion over another, all they're doing is this person earned the merit through merit. They've earned the, the, the title of valedictorian. They should be able to do whatever they want, give whatever speech they want if it's not, if it doesn't uh, violate the law. Yeah. So anger has been building on both sides. On the conservative Christian side, they see, you know, this being used inappropriately to hush up kids. Um the reality is that this speech does trigger a lot of emotion. And for some people on the other side, uh, they're starting to see that it's come to a place where kids are talking about homosexuality being sinful. And some people feel this is unacceptable in public schools. So that's one of the big questions. Is saying homosexuality is a sin bullying? Uh, again, like any issue, like we talk about on the show all the time, like any issue there is, there's not just a yes or a no I'm sure that there are cases where it could be bullying. Uh, on the Facebook page, actually on my Facebook page, I shared it from the link from from the, the, the show's page. But there were several. Some people, you know, Roger from Florida, no, not bullying, straight ahead. Um, Alexandra from Missouri, she said that children repeat what they hear at home. If they believe it, they will act on it. I don't know that I, that's necessarily... Every single time that I think in, in many cases it is. Well, and of course, we know that kids aren't spontaneously realizing that homosexuality is a sin. They're being told that yeah, by somebody. Sure. So. Um, but then, you know, Jaina from, Vir I think, Virginia, um, she says that if it is a one time comment, no. And if it's repeated and or followed with aggressive behavior, then I would say yes. And I think she gave the most salient, reasonable comment on the threat. 
because it isn't a yes or a no. And I don't even believe it's a one-time or a two-time or a three-time comment that it would be bullying. Because it's just kids talking. And you should be free to talk about your religion, even in school. Yeah, well, and if someone... If I was a homosexual and someone came to school and started talking about how homosexuality is a sin, what a great opportunity to humiliate that person for their ignorance and their complete lack of understanding related to science and how the world truly operates, right? Well, it's like saying, it's like saying, teacher, teacher, that person's bullying, they're being, they're being uh, offensive. And then you go over, what, well, what did you say? Well, they, they were saying how dumb they are. I'm dumb. I'm dumb. <laughs> they, so they're admitting how dumb they are? Yes. All right. Well, why do you care? It's kind of like that. I mean, that's a, a, a stupid analogy, but yeah, it's well, you know, it's it's an odd thing because Christianity is rapidly changing because of the younger generation that's coming up. Mm-hmm. And I think this problem is going to be less an issue in future years, rapidly in future years than it is now. For sure. Well, hopefully. It's, it's one of the, during the Q&A, going back to the My Week in Atheism thing, after the film, there was a Q&A and I got to ask John Christie a couple questions. The Christian. And, yeah, he's the Christian. And um, I asked him two questions. One was, what, what flavor of Christian are you? And then, you know, he, it, it should be an easy answer, but he wanted to go through his entire resume of all the churches he's attended. An easy answer becomes a difficult answer when you ask a Christian sometimes. So anyway, the second question I asked him was relative to the rapid acceptance of homosexuality and how the science is coming in, the the genetic ties and the links relative to how many children you have and all these different things that are coming about that we're starting to really understand it, the causes. The the younger generation isn't being raised in in an era where it's considered a psychological disorder. They're understanding that it's a natural phenomenon. So they're not, even the Christians, don't have a problem with homosexuality. And it's rapidly turning. And I asked him what, you know, what he thought, generally what he thought about that. He said that he thought that it was going to be the number one issue that tore the church apart probably within the next 10 years. Yeah, I think the the number one way to combat this this type of bullying, people saying homosexuality is a sin or people saying whatever they want to say about homosexuality from a religious standpoint is to teach your kid about science. Teach your kid about science, what science says about homosexuality, the studies that have come out about its origins, um all of that and just have everyone be logical. I mean, have your kids when they when someone gives them a remark like that, start talking science to them. I mean, you yeah. know, why is it even considered an insult when you know it's not true? I don't. Well, and then there's a, I also have an issue with bullying is the it's the topic du jour right now that anti-bullying this, anti-bullying that. And I know I'm going to get shit on for this, but. You know, a little bit of bullying goes a long way. And I think that if we're raising our kids to be productive members in the real world, that shit goes on in the real world. If you are, if we make this weird sterile environment in our schools where no one can criticize anybody, no one can have stupid beliefs and say dumb shit that is wrong because we want to isolate, oh, all the gay kids, we got to protect them, we got to protect them. They're going to grow up in the, in the world that we live in, and they're going to be 
bothered by real people. For sure. And that's why I think it would be good to train them in how to respond to these things. Yes, for sure. So, you know, I, I think even if, even if to a degree it becomes bullying to say that it's sin, and I think that pro- it probably does, I think that's okay. Everybody, everybody gets bullied at some time or another during their childhood, and it is part of development. I'm sure there were cavemen who bullied ever cavemen, and it helped in the, the maturation process and the development emotionally, psychologically, even physically of an individual. It still does. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm in my mid-20s, and I had a boss recently who was a bully to me. I was being bullied by my boss at work. So you're going to grow up. And you're not, the bullies aren't going to leave. The bullies are still out there in the real world. And they are, you know, in their 60s and they're still bullies. I mean, that's, that exists. Now, listen, I think, I think that school should be a safe environment that you shouldn't fear for your physical safety. For sure. So bullying relative to that is a problem. And bullying relative to those that are psychologically weak and prone to suicide and such we need to be better at identifying those individuals and helping. But to completely stamp out children who get picked on, all, I mean, if they're constantly being picked on where it's a problem, then it's different than getting picked on because you have red hair. Yeah. Trust me. I got picked on. Yeah. And you learn how to adjust and how to adapt and how to deal with it. Yeah. And I think that parents play an important role in that too. I've seen a lot of posts on social media where people are asking for advice on how to handle their children's bullies. And I really think it just starts with giving your kid the tools to confront them, how to interact with them and how to just stand up for themselves and protect themselves. And it'll go a long way toward their adult life. It will for sure. And speaking of bullies, speaking of someone who was maladjusted, Speaking to someone who, who is emotionally and psychologically damaged, uh, this happened actually the night we got back from the uh, My Week in Atheism video screening, the, the movie screening. Um, the Santa Barbara shooter, Elliot Roger, killed s- six people and himself. Yep. And he was a problem. He was a, a kid who had some, clearly had some issues. Yeah, Elliot Rogers, 22 years old, student at UC Santa Barbara. The son of a Hollywood director and the son of a uh, actress. Mm -hmm. He killed three men in his apartment, stabbed them. He then drove his black BMW to a sorority house, and he tried to get someone to open the front door by knocking loudly and aggressively for several minutes. No one opened the door, so he walked across the street and opened fire on three young women walking by the house. Two were killed, and one was severely injured. Both of those women that were killed were 22 years old and 19 years old. Ugh, terrible. Then he drove past a nearby deli mart where he shot and killed another individual. He was male, and... He was also a UC Santa Barbara student. And then foot patrol deputies had responded at this point and saw him fleeing in his BMW. As he drove through town, Elliot Roger was just firing multiple rounds at people on the sidewalk. And eventually he crashed his car and he was shot and killed. Or or killed himself. They're, it's kind of unclear right now. Yeah, it's, they, don't, they don't really know. But he also killed his three roommates, I believe, with a knife. Prior to the, all this happening. I, yeah, I oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I got to do a better job of listening. <laughs> I 
Am I bullying you by by not listening? No, not at all. Do, do okay. I'm used to that. Should we call in the the authorities? I'm used to that. But it's interesting. Um, this kid, because so many of these people, we always say, oh, they're being bullied and they're lashing out. Well, this kid wasn't bullied. He was, I guess, neglected. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. He made YouTube videos. Or he perceived himself as being neglected. Yeah, that's probably a better way of putting it. Because there are people being interviewed that knew him, saying that, you know, they tried to talk to him in class, tried to say, oh, what's your major? What are you going to do? And that he just, he was kind of weird. He didn't respond. He didn't try to be social with people. And so... I mean, he's complaining that he doesn't have any friends, that he doesn't have any women. He made these YouTube videos that are creepy, unbelievably creepy and very scary to watch that there's people out there that are just this maladjusted, you know? Right. Well, I tell you what, here's here's a clip of his uh, his final video. Hi, Elliot Roger here. Well. This is my last video. It all has to come to this. Tomorrow is the day of retribution. The day in which I will have my revenge against humanity. Against all of you. For the last eight years of my life, ever since I've hit puberty, I've been forced to endure an existence of loneliness, rejection, and unfulfilled desires, all because girls have never been attracted to me. Girls gave their affection and sex and love to other men, but never to me. I'm 22 years old, and I'm still a virgin. I've never even kissed a girl. Oh, dear. Pretty, pretty freaky. It's really freaky. And watching him say all this is very weird. And this was the last video. He put it up a couple hours before he killed all these people. It's a, uh, I mean, obviously, look, the kid is obviously a, a damaged individual. He's clearly got something wrong with him. But I don't think he's got, and this is just an opinion here, but I don't think he's got something wrong with him that rises to the level of chalking this up strictly to his psychological deficiencies. Because when the cops came to his house to do a welfare check, because the parents were so concerned about him, the cops went to and interviewed him and he knew what he needed to say to get them to go away rather than talk about, he knew right from wrong. He didn't talk about how I, I want to murder all these people. Yeah. Well, know? and then he also remarked that he was happy they didn't go into his room because they would have found his 140 page manifesto, his guns, yeah, and all of his 400 plans, rounds of ammunition, all of his plans right. that he had been laying out before doing this. So he's, he's a little pussy coward for sure. He's absolute. Well, you don't have to agree, but he, I just, I don't talk like that. He's a coward. <laughs> he, he, he murdered innocent people who had nothing to do with his particular issue. Oh, for sure. His roommates, I think I mean, he I think he has a narcissism problem and he definitely has does not have a grip on reality. Yeah. That's I mean that's very obvious I right. think. I I don't know that I would go as far as to say evil that word gives me makes me uncomfortable. No, I think he just, you know, he's sick. I mean that's it comes down to being a sick individual. But being sick it's like being an alcoholic. 
It doesn't and strip responsibility. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's like being an alcoholic and you're clean. You make the choice to take that first drink that's going to spin you send you spiraling. So he knows that he doesn't have to kill everyone. He's just he's caving in to the issue that he has. Wh- and, whatever it might be. Yeah. yeah. Depression. I don't know what it is, but he, he definitely, we can tell he's not feeling well. We can tell he's very unhappy with his life. And I just, I wish people that are feeling like this would, there's resources for him to get help. He goes to UC Santa Barbara. He comes from money. He could have gone to any therapist that he wanted. And if he didn't want to ask his parents for money, I don't know if, you know, how he gets his money. Then there's help at your school. All schools, you have access to mental health services for free. Especially these days where they're worried about events like this. Yeah. Well, it's hard for me. It's very difficult for me to watch this whole video, the six six minutes and 55 seconds of his final YouTube video without really, really fucking not liking this kid. And that's an easy thing to say, I think. But I try to look at things with some rationality. And, you know, it's it's not all his because he has something wrong with his brain. But I I don't know. He's there's something clearly. Well, Well, we'll let him go on. It's not fair. You girls have never been attracted to me. I don't know why you girls aren't attracted to me, but I will punish you all for it. It's an injustice, a crime, because I don't know what you don't see in me. I'm the perfect guy. And yet you throw yourselves at all these obnoxious men instead of me, the supreme gentleman. I will punish all of you for it. <laughs> there it is. That's the laugh. I told yeah. you. I told everybody to remember your creepy laugh from the beginning. Wait till clip three. It's even worse. Because it was like that. That's how you laughed. Well, he's he's a supreme gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> Here, I'll I'll let everyone know because we're all we're all trying to figure out how women could not be attracted to him, right? It's because he looks like a woman. If he got his eyebrows waxed, right? Yeah. yeah. He has beautiful skin. He has beautiful lips, like womanly lips. Yeah, he has great cheekbones, great bone structure. If he waxed his eyebrows, grew out his hair, he would not need to do anything, and he would look like a woman. He's a very attractive woman. Yeah, well, he's not even a bad-looking dude. He's not a bad-looking guy. He's just... He acts creepy as shit. Yeah, I'm being funny. And yes, that's the main problem is that he feels this way inside his head. And women are going to sense that, that sense that something's a little off with this guy. Yeah. Who talks about themselves like this? Well, one thing, he clearly has a very inflated opinion of himself, that he's a, a, a supreme gentleman. And he goes on to say, like, magnificent man or something. Yeah, I, think. I mean, it's... Ugh, it's... When you, when you possess the two qualities that don't jive, which is in your head you're confident about who you are but then you're meek the the outward manifestation of that confidence is meekness and we that's that's going to come across as creepy yeah also if you're making multiple youtube videos like this and anyone saw that (laughs) that's not good yeah that's not attractive to women yeah so in clip three if you want to watch the full video we will post it to the website we will post it to the website um, 
to, to the Facebook page. But here's the third clip from his six minute and 55 second YouTube video. If I can't have you, girls, I will destroy you. <laughs> you denied me a happy life. And in turn, I will deny all of you life. <laughs> it's only fair. I hate all of you. Humanity is a disgusting, wretched, depraved species. If I had it in my power, I would stop at nothing to reduce every single one of you to mountains of skulls and rivers of blood. A little melodramatic there. I think he's read a little bit too much. Uh, Stephen King. Uh, uh, Tolkien or Martin. <laughs> Yeah, he seems kind of mad. He seems a little bit upset. A little bit. Little bit. I like Mountains how, of skulls and rivers of blood. I like how he's blaming other people for his unhappy life. Well, I, I like also... Well, I don't like it. That guy's a piece of shit. But the it's a crime. An unforgivable crime. Punishable by death that no one had sex with him. Yeah. Listen, it's weird if, that he would put that online. If everyone... if Well, he's clearly... There's a switch that's not flipped on in there. But if I was to murder every woman who didn't have sex with me with whom I wanted to have sex in my life, there would be mountains of skulls and there, there would be rivers of blood. Mm. So Good times. The other thing I don't understand, and this is going to come across as kind of odd. I was talking about this with some people today at coffee, that I've never understood guys who walk into situations where they're going to kill people with... 400 rounds of ammunition and only kill three people. There must be something, some light at the end of the tunnel with these people that they're, you know, they say that psychologically it takes like someone to stab someone that you've really got to be a psychopath to drive the knife deep into someone that normal stab wounds aren't plunging the knife in. It's they're they're not super deep cuts because people don't have it in them to uh, really drive it in. And it's kind of the same way it must be with these types because he had 400 rounds, multiple clips of, of ammunition for his pistols. He could have killed you know, 20, 50, 80, 100 people. If I walked into a Starbucks with the ammunition to do so, it wouldn't be seven people dead. There would be carnage. Yeah. And three people is t six people, three by knife in his apartment. But it's terrible, but it could have been so much worse. Yeah. Let's just be glad that whatever is wrong with him that didn't enable him to kill more people happens. That's yeah. great. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it's interesting how there are these camps of people now that are trying to link this particular crime to cultural misogyny. Yeah. The rape culture camp. And they're trying to say that because men are taught to feel entitled to women's attention in our culture and within our society, that he's a victim of this. He's, no, he's not a victim of anything, first of all. And I'm just very confused by people that have this perspective because there are no excuses, first of all, 
for what happened. There may be ways to explain it. There may be explanations that we can try to understand, but there's no excuses. I saw I saw one of those infographic things today, and it, what rape culture, quote unquote, means. And the, the six things they list are rape cases are not being reported, that less than half of all rapes are actually reported. Um, so rapists aren't being sent to jail because of that. Only 3% of rape, rape. And none of these figures I'm, are cited, so I'm just saying them from the, from the infographic. Only 3% of rapists spend even a day in jail. I really have a hard time believing that. Which means if only, half of, only less than half of, of, of cases are being reported, so that's 50, let's say 40%, and only 3% of that 40% spend a day in jail, it's, just, it's not believable. Colleges can, can be openly hostile to victims. People think rape victims are making it all up. Rapists uh, can seek custody in a majority. A rapist can seek custody of children that they create, I guess, uh, in a majority of U.S. states. And then this is the one I have a problem with. I mean, I have a problem with all that. But this one, politicians think women can get pregnant from, can't get pregnant from rape. They're talking about Todd Akin in his comments. Yeah, that's Todd one Akin, guy. who, who his comments so enraged the conservative Missouri electorate. They they pissed him that he pissed them off so much by saying the legitimate rape thing that he didn't get reelected. He lost his election. So tell me what kind of a rape culture we have when the man running for office says something so egregious and loses his job because of it. They don't elect reelect him to office. Yeah, I think it's interesting that, you know, everybody's trying to blame this, blame that. And the only person that deserves blame is Elliot Roger because it was clear that this person was on a downward slope into a very bad place. His parents had reported him and his behavior months ago to the police and said, I'm worried about my kid. You know, he's acting unstable. The police went to check on him. They couldn't do anything because under the law, they can't just take someone in who's acting weird. They all, they either have to say that they are going to kill themselves or they're going to kill other people. If they don't say that, there's nothing that can be done. And think about think about it this way. I know a lot of people say, well, they should have just done it. They should have done it because someone said that he was unstable. Think about if you had a neighbor who didn't like you and wanted to say something about you, a healthy person, and the cops came and just took you away just on the word of someone. Yeah. We live in a free society. We, we can't allow a police state to form and just take people away willy-nilly. This isn't communist China. This isn't Cuba or the Soviet Union. We have freedom. We have liberty in this country. And it's a, it's a, it might be a delicate, terrible balancing act sometimes, but we need to err on the side of freedom, and we need to err on the side of liberty. Yeah, and so it's not the, the culture. It's not that he was forced into being a misogynist because of yeah. Carl's Jr. commercials. It's that he has something wrong with him. And to even try to say that this is a normal behavior within men, that, that this is how men are pressured into feeling because of the culture, I'm, that makes me fearful to go outside. What do you mean that this is what men become because of our culture? Well, let's put it this way. If, if we did live in this so-called rape culture, right now we wouldn't be talking about a killing spree in Santa Barbara. We'd be talking about a rape spree. Because he died a virgin. He is whining about being a virgin and having never had sex. He would have gone on this, broken into the sorority house and just had all the sex he wanted. 
it would it, it would be it would have played out a little differently in my eyes. Yeah, and I think it's also interesting they're trying to say that this, you know, cultural misogyny is what made him this way, but he's not just mad at women. He's mad at couples too because there was one video in which he saw a couple making out and he begins to become furious and start talking about how angry he is at these people for, yeah. you know, putting their happiness in his face and all this. Well, yeah. so it's not just women he's mad at. It's just anybody who's having a better life than he is he or what he several, perceives. That's right. He says it several times. So, I mean, it's there you go. Well, it's it's a it's a political movement capitalizing. It's the p- political movement of rape culture that those people capitalizing on a tragedy to get their point across. Yeah. It's it, terrible. Yeah. So we'll post that on the Facebook page and if you have some comments, we really would like to dialogue with you about it. With you know, maybe they should have gotten to this kid earlier and scanned his brain like they've done with with the pedophiles and you know some of the the, the the research relative to sociopathy or psychopathy. Yeah, that that is an interesting thing. We talked about the the pedophile thing on last the last show, and they actually just came out with a study uh, on pedophile brains. They the study analyzed the MRI scans of fifty six male participants, a group that included thirteen homosexual pedophiles and eleven heterosexual pedophiles exposing them to, quote, highly arousing images of men, women, boys, and girls. Participants then ranked each photo for attractiveness, leading researchers to the conclusion that the brain network of pedophiles is activated by sexual immaturity. The, the paper stated that the critical new finding is that face processing is also tuned to face cues revealing the developmental stage that is sexually preferred. So... For these 56 male participants that are pedophiles, they were more attracted to the children. Mm-hmm. But if you were to do this on adults, they would be activated. Their brain areas would be activated looking at attractive adults. The same areas that were that lit up for the pedophiles. Yes. Huh. And so usually children's faces elicit feelings of caregiving from both sexes. But among pedophiles, this trend is skewed toward the sexual as opposed to nurturing. And... An associate professor at the University of Toronto's Faculty of Medicine said that he was delighted by these study results because he has previously described pedophilia as a cross-wiring of sexual and nurturing instincts and that this study uh, verifies that interpretation. Hmm. But, of course, you know, this was 56 pedophiles. Mm -hmm. That's not... that's Small sample size. Yeah, and... Um, that's always an important thing to look at, by the way, in any study you read yeah. is how many people it was based upon. Yeah. And this, this study is very interesting. I mean, it's great. We need to keep studying the pedophile brain. We need to study the psychopath brain. But the thing is you can't study a brain. Let's take the psychopath for instance, because those are very interesting. You can scan the brain of a psychopath and they will have the makeup of a psychopath, but they won't necessarily be violent. In fact, there was uh, a popular neuropsychologist. Isn't that where, isn't that the problem with, it's like that movie Minority Report with, isn't that the movie with Tom Cruise and he's something Anderton? I thought that was a weird name, but so they're, they go and they're, they're, they're putting people in jail for crimes they're going to commit in the future. Well, that's the thing. You might be clinically, a sociopath 
but you haven't done, you haven't committed a crime. You might not be a violent sociopath. So they can't, there's nothing they really can do. Well, that's the thing. Neuroscientist James Fallon, who studies psychopaths. He's right here at the University of California, Irvine, isn't he? And he is a sociopath. Yeah, he was studying brain scans. He was comparing a control group of normal people with fMRI scans of psychopaths just for a side project. And he picked up one of the scans. They're all anonymously labeled. And he found this psychopath one and he had his, you know, lab technician break the code to figure out whose it was. And he found out it was his own brain. Yeah. He is a very successful neuroscientist who works successfully in the field of research. He's never committed a violent crime. And yet he has a brain that looks identical to a murderous psychopath brain. And he is, he's a nice guy, has a great sense of humor, very funny and affable. He's, yeah. He does admit that, you know, he has psychopath traits. You know, he's a little less empathetic. That he well, let's, has trouble all, connecting to people, those kinds of things. But the point is, his brain didn't predict his behavior. It didn't predict his life outcome. And also, we need the audience to understand that psychopath doesn't mean automatically violent, you know, the joker. That It's not that. Psy- psy- we're talking from a clinical standpoint of what psychopathy is. Yes, which is yeah. the the best definition of it is just a lack of empathy yeah, an inability yeah, yeah. to feel the feelings of other people and to really connect with people on that level. They just can't, they can't do that. But so it's the same thing with this pedophile study. These brain areas might be lighting up and it might be indicating their attraction to children. But just because a brain is showing that doesn't mean that this person might go on to offend, you know, yeah. and we also, it's hard to know just because a brain area is activated, it doesn't necessarily indicate what we think it would be indicating. That's how young the research into the brain is. That just because it's activated, it might not be indicating what we think it's indicating. Sure. So it's kind there, of, it's complicated, but... All of it, all of this kind of, these different kind of things are interesting. All the research. It doesn't hurt to keep doing it. I mean, replicate that pedophile well, brain study. Let's keep doing it. With the more we'll understand with larger sample sizes and it'll lead to furthered study, maybe a different set of eyes on the research. Speaking of research, this new Pew, this new Pew research, they did this, when did they do this last? A few years ago, right? Uh, 2012, I think. Okay. And they wanted to identify the qualities in presidential candidates, both negative and positive, that members of either party look for or don't look for in a candidate, right? Yeah, so this was based on telephone interviews conducted April 23rd through the 27th of 2014, and it was a sample of 1,501 adults. That's the thing about Pew, you can always count on a decent sample size. They do good research. And the breakdown was 389 Republicans, 452 Democrats, and 559 Independents. So that's that's pretty even. That's pretty good. And they found that military service is the top positive for presidential traits among the entire sample size. Oh, okay. And atheism is the top negative for everybody as well. Hmm. Let's talk. Let's not talk about independents because they're the weird, weirdo uncle of the political realm because you can't really identify them. 
because I'm I would consider myself I mean I would consider myself generally conservative but I'm an independent I'm not a Republican I'm not a Democrat they both suck I would have CeeLo talk to them <laughs> so um, let's do this list me the top three positive attributes that a Democrat looks for served in the military previously served as governor and a woman those are the top three those are the top positives top positives for a president meaning that they are more likely to support the candidate if they have this trait or experience i'm sure that's a little bit skewed because hillary clinton's getting ready to run for office so possibly because yeah. this is based on the 2016 yeah, in, or 2016 had they done this in 2007 i'm sure they would have said black guy <laughs> <laughs> Right. Or half black guy. Right. So Republicans, what's the number, what are the top three positive traits for presidential candidate for Republicans? Again, served in the military, business executive, and governor. So they both agree on the served in the military and being a governor. It's funny that they say that. I could see governor because Barack Obama is the first person to be elected to the presidency uh, from the office of U.S. Senate or Congress since Kennedy. It just doesn't happen anymore. It's very rare. Clinton was a governor. George W. Bush, George H.W. Bush was a governor. George W. Bush was a governor. Reagan was a governor. Carter was a governor. Governors all around. <laughs> Lots of governors. Lots of governors. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's, it's rarer. It's far more rare because you're not in an executive position. You're not running the business of the government as a legislator. Yeah. A, a governor you are. So so I could see that. But the military thing is kind of confounding because look at our last presidents. I mean, George H.W., George W. Bush's father was in the military, um, but Clinton wasn't in the military. George W. Bush effectively wasn't in the military. The Air National Guard is not boots on the ground kicking ass. Yeah. So, and Barack Obama, he in nowhere near the military. Yeah. Hillary Clinton did not serve in the military. Yeah, she was a Marine. Yeah, right. <laughs> Fuck. So, all these, and even this pool of candidates, Mitt Romney didn't serve in the military. He served on a Mormon mission. Yeah, well, he, was a, bus- he was a business executive, and that's the number two top positive for Republicans. So. And what's number three? Governor. Governor. All right. Awesome. A lot of odd answers there because it doesn't actually. So let's do this. Um, let's start with the Democrats again. Actually, let's start with Republicans because er- when we shared this information on online, people really chose to shit on the Republicans and the Democrats deserve a little shitting on too. So what are the top five? What are we, David Letterman here? The top five negative traits for president for the Republicans. Number one. Atheist. 67% said they are less likely to support a candidate who is an atheist. Ridiculous. Unbelievable. Number number two. Never held office. Also ridiculous. That's a stupid reason. Extramarital affair. That, I think, is arguable. I think it's a, a plausible reason. I think that's okay. Gay or lesbian. That is stupid. Washington experience. Now, this is where some consternation... That's in my word today, by the way. It's the second time I've used that word, right? I don't think so. No? I haven't heard it. Huh. 
there was some issue that people took with that reason when we shared this online. And what people need to understand is Washington experience, not experience. They're not, they don't want an inexperienced politician, but there's something that happens to politicians when they move to Washington, D.C., and they get money hungry. They call it, there's a term for it. It's called Potomac fever. So it's not this, oh, they just want inexperienced politicians. They don't want Washington experience. So I think Pew may have done themselves a disservice with how they labeled that. Was that number five? That was. Okay. Now. I'd like to make a note. Yes, please do. Atheist is the top negative above having an extramarital affair. It is worse to be an atheist than to have a character flaw in being a cheater. And let's, let's break that down. It is worse to believe that no gods exist. None. Not Odin, not Thor, not Vishnu, not Allah, not Jesus. Yahweh. None of these exist. Not Yahweh. None of these. Buddha. No god. Zero. It's worse to do that than to violate your vows to your wife or your husband and go behind their back and have sex with someone else. A.K.A. Pola Newt Gingrich. Or a, or a Mark Sanford. Yes. Or a Bill Clinton. Newt Gingrich went above F, and beyond. Or, or a John F. Kennedy. Yeah, it's everybody. All of them. Uh, Newt Gingrich didn't go above and beyond. Didn't he, like, cheat on every wife that he's ever had? Hasn't he been married a lot? Uh, yeah, but he... He's, he's cheated. It's not John F. Kennedy did the same fucking thing. Bill Clinton did it in the Oval Office. All right. All right. And I'm not sticking up for Duke Gingrich, but it's all the same. Mark Sanford, John Edward. I know. John Edward. I know. His wife was dying. John Edwards. John Edwards. That's right. John Edward is the char- is the other charlatan. He's my buddy. Yeah. He, yeah the other charlatan. Yeah. My psychic, psychic. buddy. Okay. So, okay. So let's go. So Democrats. Top negatives. Top negatives. Top five. Number one, I thought you were going to count me down. Oh, number one. All right, don't talk in between all these now. Let's wait until we're done. Sometimes I'm going to fucking talk. All right, number one. Say it again. God damn. Number one. <laughs> never held office. Never held office. That's that's the number one? Yes. Negative. God yes. Damn, that, that seems like a positive to me. Okay. All right, go ahead. That's why I'm not a Democrat. Number two, in their 70s. A little bit of ageism going on yeah, here. Yeah, ageism. That's, nice. That's a little mean, guys. Mm. Number three, atheist. So the number three reason for the ever so intelligent Democrats is that I don't, I'm not worthy of being president because I don't believe gods exist. So and good forty-two percent of them, forty-two percent of Democrats, mm-hmm. Democrats out there, mm-hmm. people who love the Democrats. Now this one's complicated. Number four. Listen, hang on. You expect this kind of behavior. Out of Republicans because they're they're stupid. It's, it, is a, it is a stupid viewpoint on many many issues. You don't expect it from the free thinking Democrats. Well, supposed champions of science and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and reason. So supposed. don't don't get up on your high horse, liberals, about how great the Democratic Party is because they're almost and in many ways they're more stupid. They're almost as bad as the Republicans on issues that are very important. Number four. This one is surprising given what number three was, an atheist. Number four is evangelical Christian. 
What do they want them to be? So that would be a bad thing. Yes. Being an atheist is negative. Being an evangelical Christian is negative. Well, it's easy for them to say that because there's not a lot of evangelical Christian Democrats. Yeah. So they do. They want an agnostic. They want someone who's just placating and acting like they're not an atheist. What do they want? Like Obama. I'm convinced Obama is an atheist. I don't fucking believe he is a Christian, which is a positive thing in my mind. But don't, I, I don't know. I, I, same with Bill Clinton. I think he's too smart to, I just, I don't know. I, it's hard for me to believe. All right. Mm. Number, what are we on? Five? Yeah. I'm fucking sidetracking here. <laughs> Extramarital affair. Extramarital affair. So it was number four or number three. For, number three for number the three Republicans. For Republicans. Number four for Democrats. And I think number, number five, five for, for Democrats. Democrats. I think that is a reasonable thing to hold against a politician. All right. And number six, we only did the top five. Yes. God damn. I should get my shit together. How about that? That would be great if you could do that. Yeah, I don't think Post I'm Post guy. To. Yeah. So think we're all, we'll, we'll also post that on the website. Yeah, because they did all kinds of, they broke down all the research. It's all really interesting. And everybody loves research, right? No, but they should. So take from that what you will, audience. And I would hope... If we do anything with this show ever, I would hope that we get you to question, question what you believe and question what you thought was the way, the truth and the light. Every time. That's what that's what I hope to do is is I question myself constantly. I've questioned myself and what I believe while talking about shit today. (laughs) And I've admitted that I'm a jackass who loves to correct people when i shouldn't be just shut my mouth and move on yeah everybody should be more like you yeah that's not, really not what i meant but thank you thank you for that that's very kind i really you believe give that. me the horrible sarcastic eyes no i really believe that that's what i love six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine is our voicemail number if you have a correction for the show we're learning that the voicemail line could very well be a way to correct us, kind of like Conan does on his show. Uh, if you have something to add, please call. We would love to further the conversation and address certain concerns. Well, and we did have a correction on our last show, although the, oh, that's the right. phone call was not received. But It wasn't necessary. Yes. Uh, it wasn't snack size, the tiny candy bars. Yes. It was... Fun size. Fun size. Those, I knew, are the, those are the Halloween candies. I knew last episode it wasn't, I knew it wasn't snack size. I knew you knew that when you looked at me like, why aren't you looking that up, you idiot? And no, I, I did not. I was just, I was not going to take the time to look that up for you. You know what? I'm going to give you a little CeeLo. Mm, yep. There you go. Thank you for Ju- that. Just for you. Thanks, T-Rex. <laughs> so this is going to do it. For this episode, unless you have anything else you'd like to... uh... I would just like to remind everybody to please try to not be affected by the misogynistic culture that we have that's forcing you to murder women. Please don't. And rape. Yeah. Don't don't go on a rape spree because, you know, you watched a... uh, What's the stupid restaurant? Or calling it a restaurant's blasphemy. Carl's Jr. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Technically, that's a restaurant, right? Because they serve food. It's not yeah, really a restaurant. It's not a, it's, yeah, it's not really a restaurant. It's pretty terrible. Yeah. So we're going to leave it at that. We appreciate you listening. Spread the word for us. We seriously, we are seeing a very 
an exponential increase in listenership, and we really appreciate it. And it's all because of you, because I'm a lazy turd who's not doing shit to promote the show. So. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Fact. So we love you, and we appreciate you. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt. Goddamn, I should get my shit together. How about that? That would be great if you could do that.